Welcome to Living Rural, a podcast on home financing and mortgages for rural living. I'm Michelle Sandin, your host and your Rural First Consumer Lending Officer with Farm Credit Services of America. And let's dive into the world of rural home financing together. On this episode of Living Rural, I am joined with Sarah Sabatka, another Consumer Lending Officer with Farm Credit Services of America. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been with Farm Credit, and kind of the territory you cover. Okay. Well, I my name is Sarah Sabatka. I am part of Farm Credit uh, Services of America in both the Lincoln and the Beatrice areas. I've been there almost nine years and just enjoying every day. Yeah. We love consumer lending, don't we? We do. It's always fun. It is. Always changing. Yes. It's never boring. That's right. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how much house one can afford. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have some five key points that we want to share with our uh, listeners and and kind of what we look at. And you and I can kind of talk about the different things that we do or kind of some of the same things. So I get a lot of people, a lot of calls that, you know, they're coming in and whether they're first time home buyers or even somebody that's maybe looking for that second or third home and things have changed, life has changed, they're making more money, maybe have a little bit more debt or, you know, always wondering like, how much house can I afford? I, you know, we want to upgrade, you know, how much, how much can we look at? So one of the first things we, I like to do is obviously start that conversation early. Um, so when somebody calls, calls you, what are, what are kind of some of the things that you ask them or, or start to look at when they're, when they're asking that question is how much can I afford? I guess we would probably mostly go a little bit more over kind of what their current debt load is, um, their expenses, kind of what their income is, and just have that conversation of what are you comfortable with for a payment? We can go for the max or we can do with what more of a payment that they are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it's what is their needs and wants, especially Mm -hmm. um, maybe that first time home buyer or, or, you know, do you want out in the country? Mm -hmm. Are you looking in town? You know, do you want an acreage? And of course that's one of our niche products is Mm -hmm. our, is our outside uh, farm lending, acreage lending. So those are some of the things, too, that I kind of ask, you know, how many bedrooms do you want? Do you want neighbors? Do you do you yeah. not? And sometimes they, they don't know, but it gets them thinking, mm-hmm. gosh, okay, you know, they might have some things in mind, but yeah, that's something that I do want or I don't want. Right. And then I've also had a lot of conversations lately of, you know, well, we need that outbuilding, whether it's for animals or if it's for toys, whatever. Um, but yeah, that we have to include that as well to, in their whole picture. Right. And sometimes you feel like, you know, you ask them, are you working with a realtor? And, and it can go either way. But a lot of times they're coming to me because they don't even know how much house they mm-hmm. can afford or where to even start. You know, if they're looking at two or $300,000 homes and they're not able to afford that, that can kind of put a damper when they've taken the time with that realtor and gone out and, yeah. and found maybe a, a house that they like. And then you know. I try to direct them to a realtor first or give them some options of realtors after we've had that conversation of this is what you can afford, you know, basically so they don't burst their bubbles up front. Right. Mm-hmm. And although we do look at their financials, I sometimes ask them too, like, you know, you have in your mind what you want as far as a mortgage payment. And sometimes we have to remind them property taxes and homeowners Mm -hmm. insurance, even though that may not be included in your payment, we look at that as far as qualifying them. But Mm -hmm. typically 99% of the people know, okay, I don't want more than X amount for a mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. I would agree that most of them will tell you what they're comfortable with and what they just absolutely don't even want to entertain. Right. Because there's some things we don't look at, you know, and I tell people, you know, you're, you're going out to eat or you're movie night with a family or mm-hmm. just, you know, family things that you want to do. Yeah. 
Kids sports. Yes. That makes a huge difference. That's right. Yes. Kind of the second topic is obviously when, when you're looking at how much cows can you really afford is gathering financial records. And, and sometimes you get the question of, I need, I need to supply you all that. And unfortunately, yes. So kind of what's, what's the list that we look at, Sarah, when we're asking for these are the documents that we're going to need? Well, definitely we're going to start with your tax returns and W-2s um, or anywhere else that your income may come from, whether that's, you know, additional tax returns from a business or something of that nature. Current pay stubs, bank statements um, are all very good places to start. That way we can get a good financial picture of where their income is coming and how much they're actually making. Right. And do I have to supply all the pages of the bank statement? Everyone, including the ones that are intentionally left blank. <laughs> yeah, especially when it says one of five or two of five, you know, I, mm. and if three and four are blank, I still have to have them. Yeah. And screenshots of your bank is very convenient for you, but it doesn't tell us what the information that we're looking for. Yeah. And a lot of things are, are online today. I get that. But sometimes it is getting a hold of that financial institution and saying, hey, will you print me the, mm-hmm. the last bank statement? And for that reason, we want to know that it is your bank statement, your account with your name on it, and the institution's name. Yeah, it is for your own protection. I know it can be considered a hassle, but it is also for your own protection. There is so much mortgage fraud in our nation, in our area that we want to protect you just as much as we're protecting ourselves. Right. Absolutely. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Number three that we kind of look at is avoiding overextending of your finances. We kind of talked about that one already, but same thing with your mortgage payment. We can tell you what you're pre-qualified or pre-approved for, um, but you know, are you comfortable with that? Is that going to fit your lifestyle? I mean, we don't want you to eat mac and cheese and ramen noodles for the next 10 years just until your income matches where you're comfortable with again. We want you to be happy and, you know, happy with what you've made and what you've built or purchased and still be able to live your lifestyle. Right, exactly. And kind of the the standard rule of thumb in the mortgage industry is, you know, that mortgage payment, including taxes and insurance, is about 28% of your gross monthly income. And then your all of your debt with that new monthly payment, about 38 to 40%. So, mm-hmm. you know, we do have our guidelines there, and that's a starting point, right? But we also look at your complete assets, you know, what you have, even if it's retirement, if it's not liquid right now. So that's why it's very important when we talk about financial documents is getting all that to us and, and building that balance sheet, if you might say, is what is all of your assets? What do they can, uh, what does it can consider? Mm-hmm. And then looking at your, your totally total debt too. I think that is a key thing that there's a lot of people that think that just because it's not a liquid account, such as a checking or savings, that it's not really necessary to disclose that. Adding retirement accounts can be a make or break point sometimes when you see how much additional you might have, whether it's just an investment or something you inherited, whatever it might be, that might be a a big thing that'll change things. Even if you're not at retirement age. Yes. Even if at not retirement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even other assets as, as homes and land or any other collateral that you own, mm-hmm. that really helps build that balance sheet. And I think it's also a good point to um, be honest with your loan officer, what you're working with on the debt side, because if you don't disclose it, we're going to find it. Right. And it's easier to deal with it up front and, you know, talk through it right from the beginning than it is at the end and have that uncomfortable conversation. Right. And that's one thing too, when I pull that credit report is kind of making sure I always kind of go over it with Mm -hmm. them because there may be a new debt that 
that is on there that I don't know yet, or maybe something that they've paid off and it yeah. just haven't reflected yet because it does take creditors and the credit bureaus time, time you know, two mm-hmm. to three months sometimes to yeah. get that off of there. And I think a lot of times, especially right now, there's a lot of people not disclosing student loans because they've on, been on that moratorium for three years. We do still need to include it because it is still an obligation. Even if it has a zero payment right now, we do still need to figure that into your debt picture. Right. One other thing I've thought of too is, you know, when you, a reason we get those pay stubs is sometimes there's things on that pay stub that we need to consider in your debt load. If you happen to have a 401k mm-hmm. loan, you know, we'll find it there. So going back to making sure you're just being honest and disclosing that mm-hmm. to your loan officer, because we will find it. So we need yeah. to make sure that we're accounting for, you know, all the debt load. Yeah. Those pay stubs tell us a lot of how you get paid, what you get paid, all kinds of different things, especially if you have a unique pay scale commissions or, you know, different shift differentials, things like that. Those all make a big difference on how income is calculated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And commission, you know, speaking of commission, when you look at that, you know, some people are paid monthly or sometimes I've seen just on an annual commission mm-hmm. basis. So a lot of times we will order, order a full verification of employment to show that. Mm-hmm. It'll give us a better picture. Yeah, we can average that over the last one or two years. Even if even if you've only been on the job for maybe one year, you know, getting that history mm-hmm. and then we're able to use that. Because a lot of times, a lot of lenders want to see two plus years on a yeah. job. I think that's one thing that we're pretty unique at is we don't really necessarily need the two years if we're able to get a history of kind of that income. Yeah, it, we are a little bit more unique when it comes to calculating income and being a little more graceful. Right. Especially with our farmers, you know, farm income, looking mm-hmm. at those tax returns there again, that's why it's important to include all the pages and schedules on those tax returns so we get that full view for the farmers. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely for the farmers. Yeah. Uh, number four point on how much house can you really afford is kind of considering the size of the property. And here again, I think that's where we're very, very unique. You know, there is some places that we're not able to lend in, but we really focus on our farmers mm-hmm. and our non-farmers and what we can do for our farmers is a little bit more than kind of the non-farmers that we're still able to lend on. But tell me a little bit, talk a little bit, Sarah, about like the size of an acreage, you know, does, does it matter or kind of what's on that, that acreage or that lot? It really, we don't really have a maximum or a minimum number of acres. Um, ideally five acres or more gets us a lot of flexibility as to what we can do and lend to anybody just for that farmer status. Um, but there really is no minimum or maximum number. Um, I know some lenders will cap it at 20. Again, if you want 40 or 60 acres, that's completely fine. We won't penalize you for that. And I think looking at that property too, you know, is there any outbuildings on it? Does it, if it is a 40 or more, or even 20 or more acres, you know, is there, is there tillable row crop on there? Is it pasture? Is there CRP? You know, mm-hmm. it's, essentially, is it income producing? Yes. And for us, we will finance that all day long. That's We encourage income producing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes, you know, other lenders may hinder that when they see any any outbuildings or, you know, could it be a potential for for a farm or, or livestock on there? They're, they just kind of throw their hands in the air. But I do talk to a lot of realtors, and I do always throw that out there that, you know, we don't have to have every building scraped and painted when it comes to appraisal yeah. status. I think that in and of itself is a huge win for our product because I don't know too many outbuildings that can pass, so to speak, right. for 
not needing painting or scraping. Right. <laughs> and so that property, a lot of times you will get somebody pre-qualified and they don't have that property in mind. So when they happen to find a property, that's when we kind of want to know, okay, what is on this property? How many acres? Because there again, if, if maybe if they were pre-approved by another lender, and, and I get these calls, calls quite often, is I was pre-approved by a lender ABC, but mm -hmm. now due, the, due to the property that I have found, I can't get financing. Yeah. And a lot of times, if we can help or not, will depend on how much their down payment was expected to be right. with that other lender. But if they were anticipating putting 15 or 20% down, it traditionally is not an issue to be able to finance that new property. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And kind of the last topic that we look at as far as how much house can I really afford is kind of seeking out the right lender. And I think we've kind of visited a little bit about how Farm Credit Services Rural First is so unique. And maybe we're not able to lend um, like other lenders. I think every lender kind of has their own aspects, their own qualms about niche, how, yeah. yep, their own niche. So, yeah, ours, I would say, is definitely a little bit more unique. Um, again, we cater to the properties outside of the city limits is where we really like to be. Um, otherwise, small towns, traditionally any, anything with a population of 2,500 or less. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anything, for the most part, rural, rural America, we can usually handle it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it is very important when somebody kind of calls in and, and says, you know, where do I start? how much house can I afford is, is taking the time and sitting down with them and finding out their story, what they want, what their needs and wants are, and, and mm -hmm. kind of go from there. And it could be a lengthy um, discussion. And a lot of times it's, you know, visiting the first time and then we're revisiting time and time again. And it might change as they're, uh, they're out there searching and they can't find exactly what they want. And, you know, maybe they were looking for an existing acreage at the beginning and not finding it. So now they're looking to build. I mean, it changes things, but we can certainly have that conversation and walk through it. So, right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Living Rural, and I hope you found value in the information that we have shared, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you.